0: Colossians chapter 2, if you're using the Black Pew Bible, that's page 1169. Morning. I'm going to read from chapter 2, verse 1, all the way down through verse 15. So, a word of prayer before we read. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the <clears throat> the great gift of your dear Son and the gospel of our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you that Paul wrote this letter from jail so many years ago and yet inspired by you, Holy Spirit. These words are very much alive and active and they are for our good Today. And so we just ask that you would help us as we drink in your word and then, Lord, seek to apply it to our lives. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, the word of God. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for though I am absent in body, <clears throat> yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you, have, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by the putting off of the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, by triumphing over them in him. The word of the Lord. This chapter, which we started last week, starts off by Paul saying, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and all who have not seen me face to face over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I just want to read to you a little bit of the Apostle's personal testimony about the suffering that he went through for the sake of the gospel. He's writing this letter from jail, and sometimes I think we we forget that. But there was great suffering uh, by the Apostle Paul for the believers and uh, this is over in chapter uh, uh, excuse me 2 Corinthians chapter 11 starting at verse 24 i just want to read some of his testimony paul's talking about himself five times i received at the hands of the jews the 40 lashes minus 1 three times i was beaten with when he says 40 lashes minus 1 that was in the torah you couldn't beat somebody more th- more than 39 times. Um, that was the limit set on, in the Torah. But he received that five times. And in verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea." On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who was made to fall, and I am not indignant? Now, I'm gonna just go back to our text, but I just wanted to read that. Now, Paul uses that expression in a very specific way in the Corinthian letter. I'm not gonna go into all of that, but just to highlight, this man went through great suffering to bring the gospel to people like the Colossians. He had never seen them face to face. But when somebody goes through great suffering, it adds a a weightiness to what they're saying and what they're trying to convey. This gospel message for the Apostle Paul was so precious. He was willing to go to great lengths to suffer great hardships to bring it to the Colossians. And he wanted them to know of this struggle that he had for them, S- also included a spiritual struggle of praying for them, but he, he did it with a glad heart. He, sa- he said back in chapter 1, verse 24, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. He wanted them to know, I am doing this, and I'm gladly doing it because of the benefit to come, that's going to come to you. Over Christmas break, my daughter was home, and she said, you read any good books lately? And I gave her that book that I had finished, uh, God's Underground. Uh, it, was, it was that Father Kolakovich, which I, I, I talked about earlier. He, he was the man during World War II that, that uh, went under different pseudonyms, different names, and uh, posed as a medical doctor. Uh, he was he was Croatian by birth, but he took on his Slavic mother's maiden name Kolakovic when when it was becoming unpopular in Croatia to to have a Croatian name. Uh, he went into the Czech what used to be Czechoslovakia and uh, was undercover behind the scenes behind all these false names. He was he was a Catholic priest and. Um, I have my disagreements with Roman Catholicism but this man seemed to be a true believer and everywhere he went he would hold these secret meetings prayer gatherings they would hold they would have mass sometimes at midnight and the whole the whole point of the whole book is god is building his church against all odds, against the gates of hell. Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia. And he, t- he tells about how he went into Soviet Russia, and he said it's amazing, it was amazing how many believers, secret believers there were, people who paid lip service to the communist line, but then in private said, have you got the scriptures? Can we take mass? And they would do it at great risk of their own lives. He tells about this one little boy, a nine-year-old boy who was going out and sharing the truth of Jesus with his friends. And he said, each of us are trying to get five more because each of us were one of five. And Father Kolakovich talked to this kid. This was in Soviet Russia during World War II. And he says, don't you realize if they catch you, they'll kill you? And this kid's response was, Nietzschevo, which means, it means nothing to me. And I just think that captures what Paul's saying here. I'm glad. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Because of the infinite value of what I'm bringing to you, if I can just see you complete in Christ. That's what I give my life for. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. So he's arguing down, he's reasoning all the way down as we come down to chapter 2, verse 6 is where we are today. And all the way up until now, there's been no commands given, no imperatives given. And now we have our first command, first directive. First, this is what I want you to do from the Apostle Paul in verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. (sighs) Rooted and built up on Him and confirmed and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing in thanksgiving. And then he goes on to say, See to it that no one takes you captive, Blah, blah, blah. And what, what he's going to say in verses 8 down through the rest of the chapter is really, in other words, if you will do, if you will do 6 and 7, if you will obey this, it will, it will strengthen you to be able to obey all these other commands. I feel like uh, verses 6 and 7 contain the kernel of truth of the command that God that, that Paul is trying to tell these people to focus on, so that they will not be swayed away from Jesus, so that they will not uh, be taken captive through the philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions. So I, I really believe that verses six and seven of chapter two are seminal and significant for the whole rest of the chapter. Notice he says in verse 6, therefore, that introduces a conclusion. So based on everything I've said, I'm gladly suffering this for you. Therefore, this is what I want you to do. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So walk in him. And the word walk is... It's a word used by the Apostle Paul that simply means live, live in obedience to him. You've, you've welcomed him into your life. You've trusted him as your Lord and Savior. Even though you've never seen him physically, you've believed the eyewitness accounts. And he said to the Corinthians, most of the people that saw him alive are still alive even to this day. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 15 with the, the idea of saying, if you, if you, if you doubt this, These are fantastic things that we're saying that this Jesus of Nazareth did, especially that he rose from the dead. But if you doubt this, you could get get, get a a boat ticket from Corinth and go back to, to Tyre and Sidon and back down into Capernaum and back down into Jerusalem and interview these people yourself. Most of them are alive even to this day. He's writing in 1 Corinthians 15 as if to say, check me out. I just want to say I've said this so many times, but the Bible is written in such a way that it could never have gotten any traction in the ancient world, let alone in the modern world, if it were not true. There's so many statements that are either falsifiable or verifiably historically, and um, just that it's not "once upon a time" and they all lived happily ever after. It's not written like that. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, just as you welcome this Jesus, even though you never saw him, you believe the eyewitness, just as you welcomed him into your life, now walk with him, walk in him, live in him. Being a Christian is more than just assenting to truths or propositional truth about a person of Jesus Christ. Satan a sense to truths about Jesus, and he hates his guts. Satan does not submit to him. Being a Christian is assenting to the truth of who he is and then trusting him for my salvation, but trusting him in such a way that I trust him for my life today and tomorrow and the next day. So I walk in him. Paul's saying, I don't want you just to just to be all about the head. I want you to walk, follow Him, follow Him with your life. Even if, even if it means persecution and hardship. So uh, the Christian life includes believing and following Jesus, believing and following Jesus. And then in verse 7, he breaks down specific ways for how to live and follow Jesus. He says, first of all, in verse 7, rooted in him, rooted in him. This is the, uh, this is the uh, Greek word for having your roots going down deep into something. In the picture here, it comes to my mind. It's an agricultural term, like the tree roots going down into the water. I think of Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates, he dwells in, he thinks on day and night. He shall be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, whose leaf does not wither. Who bears his fruit in his season and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not like that. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. So the picture of being rooted comes even out of the Old Testament. But what Paul's saying is let your roots go down deep into Jesus. Drink deeply of Jesus and his word and his promises and his warnings and his will. Let your mind the roots of your mind go down deep into this Jesus that you have welcomed into your life. I can't think of this without thinking of just our daily quiet times. I don't, you know, um, I don't know what your daily rhythms are, but... um, A clear way to root ourselves in Jesus is to plant our mindset deep into his words, dwelling on his words, feeling the weight of his word, savoring the promises, heeding the warnings in his word. Somehow we've got to get Bible intake there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to wake up at 5.30, set your alarm, and go out and read a psalm a day, and then an Old Testament passage, a New Testament, or work through the daily bread. There's nothing in the Bible that regulates how we do our Bible intake, but somehow we've got to get it. My kids, the, 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 the younger generation, they do a lot of listening, audio books and listening. If, if that's the way you can get the Bible into you, somehow... Somehow I think being rooted, that the, it's a, this is a participle, these are all, these are all modifying the, the walk in him of verse 6, but they all carry with them, this imperative sense, rooted in him, let your roots go down deep in him. Somehow his word has got to get into us and shape us and strengthen us and nourish us so much appreciate the song songs that we sing every Sunday, but I really appreciate the one I'm going to wait on you until my heart is satisfied in you. Only your love can delight my soul. Is that the way you start every day? Is that the way you start your days? How do you start your days? Think about this. Lord, I want Your word tells me to walk being rooted in you, rooted in Jesus. Get his word into you. You say, I'm not a reader. Well, listen to it. I mean, there's so many free Bible apps. I got one on my phone right now, and I can just push Colossians chapter 2 and hit play, and a guy will read it to me. Some even have music in the background. You know, so there's so many things. And and if you say, well, I'm not in the modern world i don't have a cell phone well we'll get you we can get you bible on cd you know there's a thousand ways we've got to get the bible into us we've got to get god's word into us so that our roots can go deep into jesus into his warnings as well as his promises so that it we will be nourished in our faith through his word and then the next participle that he says in verse 7 is built on. It's like somebody's building a house on this spot, on this rock. You build on Jesus. You, and, and I think the, this, is a, this is an architectural image. The other, one, the other one was agricultural. This is an architectural image, like building a house or building a barn. You build it here. You build it on Jesus Christ. I couldn't help but think when i when i was studying for this sermon of the the apostle paul <clears throat> the way he talked in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 i'm just going to read some verses if you want to turn there you can but i'm just going to you can just listen if you'd like this is 1 Corinthians 3 verses 10 through 15 this is the apostle paul talking to the corinthian believers according to the grace of god given to me like a skilled master builder I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest because the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is build, building on Jesus Christ. If you've received him, if, if you've claimed him as your Lord and Savior, you're banking your hopes on him. Your life is to be built on Him. And what what that means is the way we live our life. Do the things that please Him. Don't do the things that displease Him. Right? And you you say, well, Pastor Drew, I don't know what pleases Him. Well, read the Bible. (laughs) There's tons of stuff we don't know. If you don't know what to do, here's what you do. Start reading the New Testament, and just say, Lord Jesus, show me something I can obey, and just start reading until you find it, and then do it. The more more our roots go down deep into the Word of God, the more we will be shaped so that we we don't always know. In, there's so many situations where we don't know what God's will is. I'll give you a good example, that, um, and not to put her on the spot, but my wife this week, just after serving... Some, this is all praise goes to God, because she would be the first to testify. It's the grace of God. So, but she was serving someone this week. She was tired and on her way home, and God prompted her, Hey, you need to take food to this person. And she was feeling kind of tired, and she thought, okay. So she went to that person's house. She really wanted to go home and rest, but she went to that person's house. Well, when she got there, there were some other hardships that she encountered. The driveway was blocked. She was going to have, she's going to deliver this food. She'd have to walk all the way, quite a distance through the deep snow, and blah, blah, blah. The thought in her mind was, I think God prompt, I think God's Spirit prompted me, do good. Here, if you're looking for a verse, uh, as we have opportunity, let's do good, especially to those of the household of faith, right? Okay, this is God's will. So on the way, walking through the snow, she's battling a bad attitude, and I can identify with that. In fact, so many times it's it's my bad attitudes that keep me from stopping and dropping and walking through the snow. But she's battling, and she's saying, "Lord, I don't want to be. I don't want to have this attitude. Please help me. Please help me. Please help me." And you know what? He helped her. She delivered it, and it was a blessing. That's building on Jesus. That's living lot. Li- that's an example of building on Him. And you know what? That's gold or silver or precious stones. One of these days, the fire of Judgment Day is going to burn everything up except every work done in faith. Even if it's a cup of cold water given in a disciple's name, Jesus said it will not lose its reward. Every little thing done in faith for the glory of Christ will be rewarded. And so what I'm saying is that's an example of, okay, rooted in Him. Get, get, let the Bible shape me somehow. i got to get it into me on a regular basis. i got to get me into it and it into me so that it shapes me. I don't, I don't want to be shaped by social media. I don't want to be shaped by the evening news. I want to be shaped by God's Word. And then I want to build my life on Christ in ways that honor Christ, that, he's, that, that smell like a sweet... Smelling aroma to him. And then, he, and then he goes on in verse 7 and established in the faith or confirmed in the faith, just like you were taught. And, and I think what the Apostle Paul's saying here is the more you live like this, the more your faith will be strengthened and you will be certain of your faith and you will be less shakable. So this is the, these are the ways to strengthen, I think some versions actually say strengthened in the faith there. It's, the idea is mentally strengthened, uh, spiritually strengthened, so that we are not tossed to and fro, and so we're not sucked into these plausible, deceptive arguments Just as you were taught, he says. And then he says, overflowing with thanksgiving. Isn't that beautiful? Would you say that that last phrase, would you say, that's me? <laughs> right there. You know what I'd like to say? Here's what I'd like to say. How about, by the grace of God, could we, could we together knock on heaven's door this year and say, Lord, by the end of this year would you help us all to be able to say that's me that's me, that's us through tears through cancer through death through broken relationships overflowing with thanksgiving that that, doesn't, that makes no sense if there's no resurrection. But brothers and sisters, the cure has begun. And if we can just taste, if we could just taste a little of the wind from heaven, we would be overflowing with thankfulness. So many things I think of when I think of this passage. I think of John 15 where Jesus says, Abide in me. Stay, stay hooked into me. Just like the, the branch and the vines. You're, you're the branches. I'm the vine. There's, you can, uh, well, I'll just read it. A few verses out of John 15. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Bear much fruit even when you're in jail. Even when you're shipwrecked. What's the point for us today? we are responsible, we are responsible to walk with Jesus. Just as we have received Christ and welcomed him into our lives and sold ourselves out for him, so let's daily sell ourselves out for his agenda, drink in his word, and build our lives on Christ until we are confirmed in the faith. And in the process, we become people who are overflowing with thankfulness. We need to give ourselves to Jesus every day in our quiet times and in, in the everyday life that we live. May God help us. Let's pray together. Lord God, I am so messed up in so many ways. And I hear your words speak, and I feel so far short of it in a thousand ways. And yet, Lord, you are the God who is near to the brokenhearted. And you save those who are crushed in spirit. Oh, that we would be truly brokenhearted over our sins and over the treasure that you are and over the weight of glory that has been promised for all those who trust and obey. So, Lord, I just ask that you will work in us, work in me, work in us, work in us and through us through this next year, and I pray that a year from now we will be people who are deeply rooted in Jesus more than we were today, and have built lives on Jesus in a way that He gets honor and glory and that our lives would just be overflowing with thankfulness. Genuinely, genuine thankfulness. Even if it comes through tears, even if it comes mingled with heartaches, Lord, help us to be, as the Apostle Paul said, as sorrowing yet always rejoicing and overflowing with thankfulness. Lord, we can only be this way as, we, as you help us and as we spend time with you and we trust and obey you in our daily lives. So please come and help us, I pray, to that end. And now, Lord, as we prepare for a time around your table, would you meet with us? Fill us with your great love. Let the joy of our God be our strength. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name.